Sports fans of all ages, faces, and places from every stadium, arena, and auditorium all over the world. May I have your attention, please? Well, time's coming when we're going to have to handy up. Handy up and kick in like men. Like men! It is now time to bring to your listening ears, hearts, and minds a sports podcast named Wendell's World in Sports with the one and only Wendell Wallace. Tell him how you feel. A podcast that gives you strong, passionate, unapologetic, uncompromised thoughts and opinions about the everyday happenings in the NFL. And college football to the NBA in my Georgetown Hoyas. Giannis fires one down and an exclamation point for Milwaukee. To any other sporting news of the day. And now, introducing the man whose love of sports was born and bred on the greatest Muhammad Ali, Lynn Baez, Magic Johnson, Bernard King, and Eric Dickerson, Wendell Wallace. And welcome to Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. A lot of things to get down on and discuss today in the world of sports. As always, bonjour, bonsoir, que passa, shalom, good morning, good abend, konnichiwa, namaste, all them good things. I hope everybody is doing fantastic. A lot of things to get down on and discuss today in the world of sports. Before I begin, though, I just want to always ask this request anywhere where you're listening to your favorite podcast, iHeart iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, wherever. If you could do me a favor, if you could download, rate, subscribe, follow, most importantly though, enjoy the most unique, entertaining, thought-provoking sports talk podcast that you can listen to. If you could do that, it would uh, it would really make my day. A lot of things I want to get into concerning football. Yes, I know that we're right around the corner, man, when it comes to college football, when it comes to the NFL. How many weeks do we have before the start of the college football? What, three, four, somewhere around there? Anyways, looking exciting, like looking forward to it, excited about it, excited about the NFL. Plenty of time between this podcast and the start of both college and the NFL to get into some of the more play the hits type of uh, content or type of discussions. Yes, we'll be speaking about when you want to throughout the NFL. Yes, we'll be getting into the Dallas Cowboys. Is Dak Prescott really the guy, the quarterback for the Cowboys? Can he be that franchise quarterback? Can he decrease his interception rate? Yes, we'll get into all of that. We'll get into Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. Is Jalen Hurts just a one-hit wonder? Yes, we'll get into the New York Jets and Aaron Rodgers. Are they now the favorites to win the AFC East? Yes, we'll get into the Kansas City football team. Can they repeat as NFL champions? We'll get into all of that. And then college football, don't worry about it, man. I'll be speaking about what's the uh, outlook for Ohio State and Georgia and Alabama replacing their quarterbacks and moving forward. Yes, we'll be speaking about Georgia trying for a third straight national championship. Yes, we'll be speaking about has USC received, a, you know, got enough of a defense to really compete and can Caleb Williams uh, repeat as the Heisman Trophy uh, champion? We'll, we'll, we'll get into all of that. Don't worry about it. But I want to dedicate most, almost all of the podcast today to the ever-changing world of college football. In that word that I just mentioned, change. Change. Because, man, change can be such a nasty word. Change can be such an uncomfortable word. Change can be such a negative word. And when you speak about change and you equate it to college football, from what I've been listening to, from my first thoughts and feelings, 
that's the word that that that, that brings negative connotations when you're speaking about change, the ever changing landscape of college football. Let me tell you something for us who have grown up to really love the game of college football because what it represented, because of tradition, because of loyalty, because of regions, because of bowl games, because of histories, because of rivalries, because of all of that, that has now been kicked to the curb. As of this past week, of of, of this past Friday, man, that was kicked to the curb. Change is on the way for college football. And for folks of my generation, and a generation before, a generation after, anybody over the age of 40, maybe even over the age of 45, our college football, the one that we knew and loved, the one that we grew up loving, one of the reasons why we became college football fans and sports fans, that's over, man. The NCAA, the university presidents, the athletic directors, they, the, the conference commissioners, they have kicked that to the curb. Last Thursday, Colorado announced that it would be leaving the Pac-12 or the uh, Pac-12 conference for the Big 12 conference. And the joint statement from the uh, Colorado chancellor and the athletic director, it read, after careful thought and consideration, it would determine that a switching conference would give CU Boulder the stability, resources, and exposure necessary for long-term future success in a college athletic environment that is consistently evolving. The Big 12's national reach across three time zones as well as our shared creative vision for the future we feel makes an excellent fit for CU Boulder, our students, faculty, and alumni. Then... The Big Ten added Oregon and Washington as new members this past Friday. The league's presidents and chancellors unanimously voted to add the schools, which, along with USC and UCLA, will officially join the Big Ten on August 2nd, 2024. The Big Ten has expanded four times since 2010 after adding no schools the previous 21 years. It's set to become the largest major athletic conference at 18 members. Oregon and Washington will not receive full, uh, full revenue shares. Sources told ESPN that both schools will receive approximately $30 million annually when they join the league. That uh, share will be increased by $1 million during the current media contract with Fox, NBC, and CBS, which runs through the 2029-30 athletic season. Then they would be able to receive the full shares. Of course, all the other members, including USC and UCLA, are expected to receive more than $60 million annually from the new agreement this year, an amount that will increase over the life of the deal. So to get into the Pac-10, uh, Washington and Oregon are going to be behind the eight ball a little bit. But luckily for Oregon, he's got that filled night money. So yes, that extra $30 million that they could have received um, or, or for the first couple of years that they will not be receiving, about $30 million short. Um, I'm quite sure uh, Uncle Phil will be able to uh, make sure that Oregon stays on a solid playing field. Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, leaving the Pac-12, joining the Big Ten. Um, reasons? Money, of course, right? Because the Big 12's stability and the more lucrative financial outlook under Commissioner Brett Yormark, the uncertainty of the uh, Pac-12 future without USC and UCLA and the inability of the uh, Pac-12 to uh, secure a new grants or right uh, deal played a role. Basically, look, man, we, we don't know. In terms of Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, it was a situation where, look, man, we're trying to compete with the big boys. We want to eventually 
be there to where we can compete with the Alabamas, where we can compete with the Georgias and the Ohio States and the Michigans and the Florida States and those type of schools. And what you're promising us here is nothing. The commissioner for the Pac-12 was like, well, we might be able to get an Apple TV deal. And we, even though we haven't really got any deals with NBC or CBS or Fox or, or anybody, I mean, maybe we can get something on Univision. I don't know. Maybe we can get something on Oprah's channel. Maybe we can uh, get something, I don't know, on Planet Mars. I mean, but, but, but stick with me. Hang in there. And Utah and Arizona and Arizona State were like, no, nah, we're not hanging in there. We're going to be hanging out somewhere else. Bye. First thought, of course, is to say, oh, how terrible. How horrible, how treacherous, how, how, how Jimmy Uso of them to stab the Pac-12 and the commissioner like they did. Hey, man, it's either, again, as I always said, are you gonna, when, when they're sitting around at the table to uh, eat dinner, are you going to be sitting at the table or are you going to be the meal that they're going to be eating? And Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah said, no, nah, we're not going to be the meal. We're going to be sitting down there with the big boys at the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 and such. And we're going to be eating the Big 10, and we're going to be eating that meal with you. And, um, you know, the carcasses that is left of the big uh, of the uh, Pac-12, which includes, which includes Stanford, California, Washington State, and Oregon State. Hey, man, um, you know, you take a look at, at academic institutions like California, Berkeley, and Stanford. They have a chance because the Big Ten might not be done yet in terms of scavenging and, and, and bringing in new um, schools. And while Stanford and California might not bring much as football programs, they do bring lots of uh, lots of uh, good things in terms of uh, the academics is concerned so that might be something that might um attract the uh pack the big 10 to bring in both california and stanford for washington state and uh, oregon state um good luck to you wherever y'all end up mountain west if the pac-12 wants to bring in some schools from the mountain west boise state san diego state whatever uh but good luck to you independent good luck to you what happens to your golf team what happens to your swim team what happens to your lacrosse team what happens to your gymnastic teams good luck to you what happens to your archery team good luck to you but um, from as we sit right now, the Big Ten don't want you. The, back, the uh, Big 12 don't want you. So good luck to you in that regard. Uh, you can't join us, but uh, good luck to you. So look, man, this is, this is all about money. This is all about a situation where, you know, we're, we're, we're having, the, again, that ever-changing landscape in college football. So let's, man, let's just go ahead and just take a look. Because we got Colorado going to the Big 12. We got these other schools going to the uh, Big 12. We got uh, these schools leaving the uh, Pac-12. So let's take a look, man. Again, third straight offseason in college football that has been dominated by expansion and uh, realignment talk. Remember, this all started in 2021 where um, Oklahoma and Texas announced that they were going to be leaving to join the SEC. And then in 2022, USC and UCLA decided that they were going to join the Big Ten, and that kind of started the domino effect. The dam was broken, and now the deluge has started. So let's take a look now at the new college football realignment as it stands in one year. Next year, for the 2024 season, the ACC is going to have Boston College, uh, North Carolina, Clemson, North Carolina State, Duke, Pittsburgh, Florida State, Syracuse, Georgia Tech, Virginia, Louisville, Virginia Tech, Miami, and Wake Forest. Now you've got Florida State out here bitching and moaning, right? In terms of, hey man, why, why are we going ahead? Why, why, why are we, why are we practicing socialism here? 
Why why is it that uh, successful program, not just in football, but other programs like ours, with this uh, TV deal that we have that runs through 2036 with ESPN, why is it now that all of a sudden that uh, we have to subsidize the Dukes and the Georgia Techs and the North Carolina States and the Wake Forests of the world? And Clemson's saying the same thing. Wait, 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 wait a minute here. For the longest of times, we were, if not the most elite college football program in the country for years on top of years we were definitely in the top two three at the very least five so all of a sudden all our success from our football team is going to be you know we're we're going to have to uh, make sure that we give welfare checks to the dukes and the georgia techs and the um wake forces of the world maybe they should maybe they just shouldn't be in our conference I mean, if you take a look at Duke, what is Duke as far as the football program? What is Duke in the new day and age of college football? What is Duke doing at the football program in the ACC? Same thing with North Carolina State. Same thing with Wake Forest. What are they doing in the ACC? Virginia Tech was a, was a school that came over from the Big East along with Miami. So they're not, uh, they're, they're not uh, originals. They don't have any tradition. They don't have any historical importance for the ACC. Same thing with Pittsburgh, or same thing with Syracuse. So what are we doing subsidizing those programs as far as the football program is concerned? And then Florida State's up there talking about, hey, man, we might have to start looking to join another conference, a.k.a. the SEC. Good luck to you. You could try to go ahead and get Clemson and get uh, North Carolina to join you, but that contract that you have with the the ESPN ESPN for the ACC, um, that's going to be a bitch to get out of. You realize that, right? So it'll be interesting to see. I, I've always thought that when everything is all said and done, when everything is finally set in stone for the next couple of generations, the ACC isn't going to be around for football. Something telling me it's going to be the uh, Big 12, the Big 10, and then the SEC. I don't even know how much juice long-term that the uh, Big 12 has. But it's going to be a situation where I think the next conference to be pac 12 is going to be the ACC. It might not happen in 2024. It might not happen in 2025. But I'm telling you right now, as far as the football conference is concerned, if the ACC loses, if the ACC loses Clemson and Florida State, the ACC is in a world of hurt, in a world of trouble. They'll be like the uh, Big 12 was a couple of seasons ago when Texas and Oklahoma announced that they were going to be leaving their conference to join the SEC. So. The ACC conference, I mean, for the long term, I would kind of take a look at that as a football program. So you have the ACC, right? For 2024, the Big 12 12 programs, you've got Arizona, Kansas, Arizona State, Baylor, Kansas State, BYU, Oklahoma State, Colorado, Utah, TCU, Cincinnati, Texas Tech, Houston, University Central Florida, Iowa State, and West Virginia. The Big 12 is going to have 16 schools for the 2024 season. The Big 12 had 10 schools in 2022. They're going to be losing, of course, Texas and Oklahoma, but the conference then added BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UFC for the 2023 season. Again, after the announcement that they would be losing Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC in 2024, and then the conference added Colorado first and then added the others after that. So the Big 12 will not have divisions and will play nine conference games in 2024. The conference championship game will feature the top two teams at AT AT&T Stadium, Jerry World, in uh, Arlington, Texas. 
Big Ten Conference. Let's take a look at this, how that's going to be looking in 2024. You've got Indiana, Ohio State, Illinois, Oregon, Iowa, Penn State, Maryland. Maryland in the Big Ten. Still sounds strange. Purdue, Michigan, Rutgers, New Jersey, Big Ten, Midwestern, New Jersey, Rutgers, Michigan State, UCLA, Minnesota, USC, California, okay. uh, Nebraska, Wisconsin, uh, Northwestern, and then Washington. The Big Ten will have 18 teams in 2024-25 season. Oregon, UCLA, uh, USC, Washington, again, are leaving the Pac-12 to join the uh, Big Ten. So and then you take a look at the SEC. You've got Alabama, Missouri, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Auburn, Old Miss, Florida, South Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, Texas, LSU, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, and Vanderbilt to go along again with Oklahoma. So the SEC is going to have 16 teams in 2024-25, Oklahoma and Texas joining the conference next season. The SEC will not have divisions in 2024. Teams will play eight conference games. The top two teams will meet in the SEC championship game in Atlanta. So there you got it. There, there, There you have it, man. That's what it's all about. That's what college football is going to be taking a look at. And as far as the Pac-12 is concerned, who knows? But um, the Pac-12 is dead. Your Pac-12, your brother's Pac-12, your cousin's Pac-12, your uncle's Pac-12s, your mom's Pac-12, your, your, your relatives old enough to become college football fans back in my days when it was the Pac-10, even before that, when it was the Pac-8, the conference, which was over, what, 108 years old? That essentially is done regardless if the conference is saved or not. Whether they go out and try to scrounge by getting themselves San Diego State and Boise State and Fresno State and um, you know UNLV possibly. Whatever they can cobble to try to get to 8 teams, 10 teams, 12 teams. It's, it's not the Pac-12. It's not the Pac-10. It's not the Pac-8. We, we, it's not... That's not how we're going to assimilate. That's not how we're going to be thinking of that conference anymore. And even if they do, let's say, for instance, they go ahead and they get, they, they, they raid the Mountain West Conference. So what does that do for the Mountain West Conference? Then you have to make the decision, okay, what are we going to be doing, doing moving forward? How far east of the Mississippi shall we go to try to get some teams? So all of those things, how many quote-unquote majors, all of a sudden now, you're going to try, let, let, let's just say, for instance, you're going to try to save the four remaining teams in the Pac-12, and you're going to surround them by what, Boise State? You're going to surround them by universities like Fresno State? You're going to surround them with universities like 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 UNLV? Like San Diego State? When you're talking about such prestigious universities as Cal Berkeley and Stanford, who have strong Football programs, especially if you're speaking about Stanford, who, you know, I know the last few years under David Shaw have been rough, but this was a school that produced uh, Andrew Luck. This was a school that produced John Elway. This was a school that produced Jim Plunkett. This was a school that produced Heisman Trophy winners. This was a school who produced first-round draft picks. This was a school who went to Rose Bowls. This was a school who have been ranked. So, man, that that, that uh, program... With all that history, it's now going to be relegated to playing the San Diego States and the Boise States of the world mm, as far as um, conference games. If somehow, some way, the Pac-12 decide to continue with the conference. 
change, man. Change, change, change. For us, for our generations, doesn't it seem strange? Doesn't, isn't it like make you just go, ugh? <laughs> I read all those schools in terms of the Big 12 and the Big 10 and the ACC, and I read all those schools. It, it makes you feel kind of icky, doesn't it? It makes you feel like, damn, man, really? How in the world, again, we, we, we speak about the Big 10, we speak about the Pac-12, we speak about the ACC, and we speak about the Big Ten, and we're like, wait a minute, where in the hell does Maryland rank in terms of the... Where, 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 I, I know I might not be a, a geography major. I know I might have slept through that class. I know in the world that I live in that I can't even tell you where New York City is, let alone uh, Rutgers. I know that my geography ain't the great, but the last time I checked, if you're speaking about the Midwest where the Big Ten is, how again is Rutgers and Maryland somehow affiliated with that? How is the Atlantic Coast Conference, for what I knew growing up, was from Maryland down to the, uh, you know, it, it incorporated Maryland, Virginia, and the Carolinas. How, how in the world then do we get Syracuse? How in the world do we get Miami? But where, how did that, how did that happen again? Ever changing, man. Ever changing. Again, for my generation, that's strange. For younger generations, it might not be that strange. And so what I really want to focus on and really want, what I want to talk about is, again, speaking about the change, man. It's change, good, bad. How are we going to figure this out? How can we get used to this? Are we going to get used to this? You know, one of the reasons why college football could do this is really our fault. It's my fault. It's your fault. Anybody who loves college football, it's our fault. You know why? Because regardless of what happens, we're still going to watch the games for the, for, for the most part. For most of the folks who are not affiliated with any of these schools, who are just sports fans and want to see football played on Saturday, you, you really think they care that the Pac-12 is going away? Do you really think someone? Um, do you really think someone in Las Vegas, Nevada? Do you really think someone in Pensacola, Florida? Do you really think someone in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania? Do you really think someone in Annapolis, Maryland? Do you really think someone in Boise, Idaho, really cares about what happens? Who is not affiliated with any of these schools that are changing? No, they don't care. You, I mean, outside of Norman, Oklahoma, and outside of Austin, Texas, does anybody really care that that Texas and Oklahoma are moving from the Big Twelve to the SEC and what that does for the um, Big Twelve conference? No. Hey, man, if it means that we get to see better football and we get to see the powers play more often, that's great for me. Why do I care? <laughs> Hey, they'll figure it out. Well, aren't you concerned about the student-athletes? No, because I know what kind of world I live in. I know what the society that I live in. I only care about me. <laughs> so if you could give me 10 weeks of Alabama, not having to play Alabama State, Alabama State or, 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 or uh, T.C. Chattanooga or some nonsense like that, if I can get, if I can get these top-tier schools away from playing the predominantly black, um, the HBCU schools, where they beat them 78 to nothing every year. And I know the financial gain that the HBC schools use. And that's another topic in terms of the ever-changing landscape of college football. For some of the have-nots who need to get pummeled every year by schools like Florida and Florida State and Alabama and Auburn and USC and Michigan and Ohio State and Clemson and these schools, for, for those HBCU, HBCU schools who need that paycheck, what does that mean? Where do they stand? Where do they settle? Where do they reside when all of this is said and done? Ah, those are some of the things. But 
right now, I mean, you know, in this country, how many folks outside of our community really care about black folks and black issues? Uh, probably little. So if the so if Alabama can play instead of instead of playing Alabama State, instead of LSU playing Grambling, instead of Florida or Florida State playing FAMU, Florida A and M, if you can replace those games with maybe a Texas, maybe an Oklahoma, instead of Florida playing uh, Florida A and M, let's instead have them play Clemson, or instead let's have them play USC. Or instead, let's have them play Alabama. Or instead, let's have them play Ohio State. Of course, people are going to be talking about, hell yeah, man, forget FAMU. I'm not interested in seeing um, Florida State beat up on some school 100 to nothing. Yeah, give them one of the top tier schools. Well, you know, the um, school that's getting pummeled, they need that paycheck. They understand the other. We don't care. You don't care. Sadly enough, in some regards, I don't care. (laughs) So... Change is, is is the change of college football is coming, man. Get used to it. I read you the rankings. I read you the um, conference, what the conferences are going to be looking like next season. Change is coming. The question is, again, is this change going to be for the better or for the worse? Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Ooh, change is coming, man. We've always resisted change. We've always, as a country, as a nation, as a world, we've always resisted change. Hell, if 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 we if we accept if, if we were resistant to change, if we didn't want to change anything, hell, I'd be out in the cotton fields somewhere picking cotton right now. I'd be shackled and enslaved right now if it wasn't for change, right? Change. If it wasn't for change, where would women be in this in this situation in, in the world that we live in today? Where would where would people be if it wasn't for change? And I know that's going to the extreme when you're speaking about slavery to college football. Even though, if you think that slavery benefited black people, you're stupider than shit. And I would hope that you would jump off a cliff and make this world a better place by dying. But what exactly? <laughs> Well, where do we go? How do, how do we make that turn, right? But exactly what I want to say is that um, change change can be good. Again, I remember when I was growing up compared to what's going on right now. I mean, I remember back in the day, and I know folks under the age of 30 are going to be shaking their heads. I remember, them, I, re- I remember talking to some students. I remember the blank looks they had when I was speaking about this in terms of when I was their age growing up. I didn't have computers. I didn't have cell phones. 
didn't have the internet. <laughs> you know, I did. I didn't have uh, TVs with cable and all that kind of stuff back in. I hate to back in my day. Back in my day, when you wanted to go ahead and change the channel, you had to get up off your ass, walk over to the television, and then change from channel five to channel seven to channel nine, the DC channel twenty. What? That's what we had to do. We had about maybe what four or five or six stations at the very most. We didn't have cable. Hell, I remember when we first got a, a VCR. We thought that the world was going to be at the, the world. What could be greater than a VCR? We thought that uh, we had died and gone to heaven. When we got a remote control to change our television, when we didn't have to get up to walk over to the television screen and try to fix the antenna to get a good reception on our on our television, we thought that was unbelievable. Oh my goodness, a remote control. So you mean you just click, click, click. I don't have to get up. I mean, we have TVs with no antenna. Say what? So, I mean, you know, I look at it right now. We look at our generation to where it's not just kids. We have a world full of people, whether you're from 8 to 80, who can't go more than five minutes without being on their phone. Whether it's checking the email, whether it's sending a text. I mean, we, we can't go anywhere. We can't do anything without our phones. We touch our phones, fellas, Negroes, we touch our phones almost as many times as we touch our penises. That's how important the cell phone is for us. So yeah, change, change is, change can be good. I mean, everything that we've done, technology, everything that we've done had been good, has been good for change. And when that first came about, it was, it was, it was fraught with nervousness because we didn't know it was the unknown. We didn't know this is out of our control, right? Same thing in college football now. Now we've got the situation where, oh my goodness, we've got all of these, we've got all these changes going on. Now tradition is going to be gone. Now what we grew up and how we became football fans, that's now gone. You know, what 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 turned us into fervent football, college football fans? Fanatics. That's no longer going to exist for us. But is that change bad or good? And we won't be able to tell. We won't be able to give a verdict again until really... Our generation, my generation, is dead and gone. Because it's going to really take that long because there's going to be generations. I'm telling you right now that in 20, 30 years, the discussion that we're going to have today in terms of, oh my goodness, I can't believe, or the discussions that we had on Friday when the news came down that uh, the last domino had fallen for the season in terms of the schools leaving the Pac-12 to go to the, to go to the Big Ten, or the, excuse me, the Pac-12, when we had these conversations and everything was so doom and gloom and everything was about, I can't believe it, and the backstabbing and college football has ruined itself and the greed and the selfishness and the narrow-minded thinking and all of, all of these narratives that we were throwing out there and, and these negative connotations in terms of what was so terrible for college football, the damage that was done to college football by these teams realigning and meeting the end of the Pac-12 in all, in all intent and purposes, those conversations are going to be so foreign. Those conversations are going to be so ridiculous 15, 20, 30 years from now when you have college football fans who are going to be used to this. When everything is all said and done, when everything is settled, and we have, whether it, again, be three conferences, two conferences with 25, 30 teams. When everything is all said and done, 
There's going to be a generation of college football fans who are just as passionate about the game as we are that's going to look back on this day and say, thank you, Jesus, because that's when college football got a whole lot better. It might not have gotten better in 2024 or 2025, but when you take a listen or when you take a look or when you have a or when you speak with somebody in the year 2040, 2045, who might be 21, 22, 25 years old and watching college football and is rooting for their favorite team, all whether that be Tennessee, whether that be UCLA, whether that be um, Boise State, whether that be Alabama, whether that be North Carolina, whether that be Syracuse, whether that be Penn State, wherever, they're going to look back and say, man, college football is great, isn't Isn't college football wonderful? And then the old heads, if we're still living, my generation are going to be sitting back saying, oh, man, I remember when you had the Pac-12, and I remember when you had the rankings, and I remember where you only had 10 to 12 teams to a conference, and I remember the good old days where the bowl games really meant something, and before this nonsensical playoff that, you know, the the regular season meant something, and oh, my goodness gracious, the rivalries between Washington and Washington State, and Cal and Stanford, and and Michigan and Ohio State and all in Florida and Florida State and Florida and Georgia and Georgia and Alabama and, 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 and uh, Texas and um, Texas and Oklahoma. Oh, my goodness gracious. I remember the good old days and Billy Sims and, and uh, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and these football fans, again, who are going to be just as passionate about the game as you are. Are they going to take a look at us with blank stares? They're going to be like, what? <laughs> Huh? Now, despite what's going to be happening, they'll always have that rivalry. Rivalries aren't going anywhere. Rivalries of any importance aren't going anywhere. Look, I'm, I'm sorry that that, that um, Washington and Washington State won't be playing for the Apple Cup anymore. But outside of Pullman, Washington, and maybe 25% of the folks in Seattle or Tacoma or Bellingham or Vancouver, Washington, how many people really give a damn about the Apple Cup? If you're right now, if you're right now listening to this podcast in Enid, Oklahoma, or you're listening to this podcast in the DMV, or you're listening to this podcast in Austin, Texas, or you're listening to this podcast in um, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, do you really give a damn about the Apple Cup? Do you really think that's a big like? Oh my goodness gracious! Oh the poor Pla- the poor Pac-12. Now there can't be uh, the Apple Cup between Washington and Washington State. Lord have mercy! What are we going to do? What damage have we done? Now, if Washington and Washington State have been national powers, but we're actually playing for something, then the game would mean a lot more to a far more broader uh, group of folks, to a broader audience of folks who would then care a little bit more about the Apple Cup. But Oklahoma and and, uh, Texas, that ain't going nowhere. That rivalry ain't going nowhere. Ohio State and Michigan, that rivalry ain't going nowhere. Auburn and Alabama, that rivalry isn't going anywhere. Why would it? It's too important to the community. It makes too much money for the community. And guess what? is still going to be rooted in tradition. And guess what? Maybe with some of these new conferences or some of these new teams coming into new conferences, maybe then they can form their own rivalries and traditions for the uh, upcoming generations. Maybe a child who's going, to be, who's going to be born in the year 2035, by the time 2065 rolls around, again, if this earth is still around, 
if this world is still around, they might not have grown up on Michigan, Ohio State. If they're college football fans in the year 2065, I know they might not have grown up with the rivalry of Oklahoma and Texas or Washington, Washington State or Oregon, Oregon State, the, the, the war, the Civil War, any of that type of nonsense. But maybe they'll form new rivalries that they can pass along to their kids and their grandkids and such. When I'm up in heaven boogieing on down to a concert with uh, Otis Redding, James Brown, and Sam Cooke, Donny Hathaway. And when I'm listening to those guys play, and then the next night I'm hanging out with my grandparents and my parents, and then after that I can watch a game in terms of on the uh, Heavenly Football League and the Heavenly Basketball League, and I can watch those guys play. I don't give a damn what's going to be happening down here on earth as far as college football is concerned. Shoot, I don't care. So all I'm just saying is sometimes change, we, we look at change and this is terrible, this is horrible, this, that, and the other. Change is good, man. Change is needed. Change is necessary. And change isn't about us. It's about the generations moving forward. And sometimes when we speak about the demise or on um, this past week, when we were speaking about the demise of college football, it was from a selfish standpoint. For those who were sitting there talking about the ruination of college football, we're coming from a selfish standpoint on that. You were coming from a selfish standpoint on that. Yes, you were. Because you were only thinking about what it meant to you. Greed and all this other stuff. And I can't believe this. And, you know, greed. Hey, man, we live in a capitalistic society. Of course, greed is going to be there. Of course, money is going to be there. Of course, power and control are going to be there. Of course. But selfishness. Selfishness. I'm part of the group. I'm not being a hypocrite. I'm, I'm, I'm part of the group. Yeah, when these things happen, when change happens, the first thing I think about is myself, of course. Hell, of course. But this this is laying down the foundation for the next generation and the generation after that and the generation after that. What is college football going to look like in 2033 or 2063? Two to three super conferences, 20 to 25 schools, Broken into regions, playing, what, 14, 16, 18, 20-game schedules? What the playoffs get? What, what, what are the playoffs going to look like? Right? I know in a couple of years we're going to 12. Are they going to expand even more? I mean, what's going to be happening with the bowl game? How long are the seasons going to last? What's going to happen to the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the Orange Bowls? And, and, and 25 years, 30 years, is that going to exist? And if they do exist, are they going to look anything like we know them as we grew up, my generation? Because remember, from the Rose Bowl, it was always about the, the Big Ten versus the uh, Pac-12. Now there's no Pac-12. Now, I know that the Rose has kind of uh, acquiesced a little bit and gotten with the program with the other bowl games because of money in the college football and how much money they can make. But still, I mean, you're taking a look at the Sugar, the Cotton Bowl. The Cotton Bowl, remember when the Cotton Bowl on January 1st was one of the big-time bowls? Remember back in the day before the Internet, before uh, cable television, before technology before remember when we were growing up my generation between the ages say of 47 and and 60 remember when we grew up in of really 47 and above that age group remember growing up remember what january 1st meant remember for those who were college football fans that we would wake up early in the morning and first would be the cotton bowl 
And then in the afternoon, it would be the Rose Bowl. And then at night, it would be the Orange and the, um, the, the, orange and the Sugar Bowl. Remember that? And those were the only four games. That's my foundation. That's where I started to become a college football fan. It was based as far as those four bowls. And January 1st was truly a holiday. That played a huge role in me becoming a college football fan. But what happened? Change happened. Change happened. Then all of a sudden, instead of the Rose Bowl, it was the corporate sponsor here, Rose Bowl. Then the Fiesta Bowl came in. And then you had all these other bowls come in. And now all of a sudden, now I don't even know, really, I mean, just, what, what does January 1st for my generation who grew up just loving January 1st because of the bowl games that you would get to watch and you could sit down and you could watch all day these these bowl games before we had to go back to school uh, the next week. What 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 does that what does that represent now to you moving forward? Because I'm telling you, there's a generation your kids know nothing about that. Your kids know nothing about that, right? Their kids know nothing about that. You can ask your kids right now. If you have teenagers right now, even if you have kids in your young in, in, in their early twenties, ask them about January first in college football. You'll get a blank stare. Like, huh? What? You can sit there and talk about, oh yes, son, yeah, yes, daughter, the good old days. I remember when I was your age. January 1st, I would get up early in the morning and mom and dad would fix the breakfast and uh, after finished playing with the toys, I would go ahead and go ahead and, 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 and watch, watch the good old World Bowl and watch the, watch the uh, Cotton Bowl game and this, that and the other between the Southwest, the champion from the Southwest Conference and the uh, other, other, whoever they were playing against. And that started an entire day of watching football and this, that and the other. You tell those stories. You tell those good old memories. You take them down memory lane with that and see how many blank stares and yawns and um, not listening you're going to be getting with them when you do that nonsense. They don't care about that shit. <laughs> they don't know about that shit. It's like, uh, <laughs> mom, dad, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I, and, 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 your, and your kids could be college football fans. They'd be sitting there talking about, hey, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> That's, that's great, y'all. But, uh, you know, times have changed, right? We're, we're living now in a generation of kids who didn't know anything about um, how important the rankings were in terms of determining who a number one team was, right? Because they've lived their entire lives either with the BCS or, or a playoff. So they don't know. Change, man. Change, 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 change. All about the change. So it, it's, again... For us, yeah, it sucks. <laughs> but the Pac-12, they're going to they're they're the Southwestern Conference, conference that was around 82 years from 1914, 1996, right? For for the for you old heads, you know you know what I'm talking about: Texas, Oklahoma, Houston, Baylor, Texas A&M, Arkansas, SMU, right? Remember those? Remember those teams? Remember that conference, right? Back, let's say, for instance, in 1954. Let's say, for instance, back in 1964. Let's say, for instance, back in 1984. But anybody of you would have gone to and spoken to back then, whether it would be in that region, whether they were making a living writing for uh, college football, writing in that region, writing for that conference, anything, if you would have told them by now that the conference, not only in terms of the Southwest Conference, would be extinct, that it would be extinct now going on 27 years. If you would have told, if you would have explained that scenario to 
Baylor fans to Oklahoma fans to Texas fans to Houston fans to Texas A&M fans to SMU fans. If you would have told them that, if you would have walked on a campus of Arkansas and talked to Coach Lou Holtz, who was coaching Arkansas during its heyday in that conference and said, Coach, in about 40 years, this conference ain't going to exist. And not only is it not going to exist, there's going to be a generation two of passionate, knowledgeable college football fans who have never even heard of the conference. If you would have said that, man, those guys would have been like, make it out of here. We're strong. We're this, that, and the other. If you would have, nobody, nobody, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, nobody would have thought the Pac-12 would be in the position that it is right now. Nobody. Nobody. But it's about change. It's about change. The world is ever-changing. And for those who are feeling horrible and terrible and, oh my goodness, you know, what's, what's going to be happening now? And, you know, those who want to focus on what these what these moves mean, you know, how impactful it's going to be for the school soccer team or the lacrosse team or the swim team or the golf team or the tennis team or the wrestling team or... Man, you don't you you really think people like us really care? Do you really think I give a rat's ass about what's going on with the with the Oregon State lacrosse team or tennis team? Do you really think I really care? Do you really think I really give a rat's ass about the travel and how that's going to be playing on uh, someone who has a track and field scholarship or someone who is on, you know, women's golf club or women's golf team or something like that. Do you, do you really think I care about their future? I'm just being real with it. Do you really think I care? The answer is no. If I can get to see Michigan play USC, if I can get to see, um, um, you know, I don't know, Oregon, when they're good, play Michigan, I'll take that every day of the week. And if that means it's an inconvenience for the um, boys and girls tennis team, well, then screw them, right? Hey, man, I'm just speaking for real. And before you guys sit up there and vilify me, um, let's remember where we live. And let's remember what society that we live in. And let's remember the founding foundation that this society has been built on and remains on. Greed, selfishness, and it's all about me, right? It's all about my satisfaction. And again, it goes back to the reaction that happened when these moves were announced and people were complaining and whining and bemoaning the fact that, oh my goodness, my college football now is ruined. My college football is ruined because of these things. You're thinking about yourself. You're thinking about yourself. And you can sit there and speak about, oh, I'm, this, this, is, this is really horrible because I feel terrible for the wrestlers who are going to have to make that trip on Tuesday, 1,500 miles, and then take a three-hour bus ride to uh, Eugene, Oregon to, uh, to do their thing. You can, you can sit on that high horse and talk that bullshit all you want to. I'm going to call out for the most part, you are full of shit. Because again, for me, give me the best college football I don't care where they're playing. I don't care how it's happening. As long as it benefits me, as long as, as long as I'm happy, that's the main thing, right? Right? And for folks, again, who want to sit there and criticize and this, that, and the other, re- remember who this country voted for as a president in 2016. Remember the fucking idiots who voted for him the first time were willing to vote for him a second time. 
Remember, for those in this country who want to think that it's all kumbaya and we're not selfish and we don't think about ourselves, remember who's sitting in Congress in the state from the state of Georgia, from the state of Colorado, from the state of New York, from the state of Texas. Let's remember for those who don't who, who want to argue that this country is not all about themselves and we're not selfish and we're not idiots and we're not egotistical and we're not self-centered and we don't and we care about others remember who the leader is for the Republican party to be the nominee in the 2024 election that quells our all, all, all arguments about our intelligence and our willingness to be selfless and not think about ourselves so please Spare me that nonsense when we speak about um, um, the criticism I might receive because I call this country what it is. Selfish, egotistical, thinking about itself. And I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Hey, knowing what you are is half the battle. So I'm part of the problem. But, you know, there it goes. So, yeah, man. So that's that's what I want to be speaking about on, on college on college football, the fate of college football. Give it my generation. Just accept it. Again, we, we want to see the games. We want to see the games. We want to see great games. We want to see competitive games. So let's let's just enjoy. College football is a regional sport. That, that's, that's one of the things that made it great. The fact that these, these traditions, these rivalries, the fact that a college kid could go down and, and road trip to another school to uh, the, 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 the school where the team is going to be playing against and do their thing and get drunk and, and try to bang girls and co-ed from the other school and have a good time and you know, all this type of stuff. Man, I'm way past that. The college atmosphere, the college experience for me, that's been dead and gone for, damn, now over 30 years. So the experience of going to a stadium and really uh, maximizing on the reasons why, that, that's been out of my system now going on 30 years. Been there, done that bullshit, ain't interested in doing it again. So the, the quote-unquote atmosphere that the 18-22 to 22 brings to a college football stadium, to a college football game, I don't need it, I don't want it, I don't care about it. Show me two good teams playing for something, that's going to get my attention. And I can watch it from the confines of my wonderful, cozy, comfortable townhome in North Las Vegas. Or Northwest Las Vegas, excuse me. So I don't need anything else in terms of the quote-unquote college experience. So, yeah, all the, all that all that stuff in terms of why college football is so great. Hey, man, again, I'm from D.C. People in Chicago don't give a damn about college athletics. People in New York City don't give a damn about college athletics. The northeast corridor of the United States, which includes Delaware, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Massachusetts, we, we don't care about college athletics. For the most part in California, Southern California, Northern California, we don't care about, they don't care about college athletics. No, been there. Lived in Arizona. They don't care about Arizona or Arizona State. Lived in Phoenix for a while. They don't care about Arizona State. Basketball, football, baseball, doesn't matter. They don't care. They care about the Cardinals. They care about the Suns. They don't care about the Sun Devils. Enough for this move to have any type of long-term negative ramifications on them. So... Yeah, so there, there you go. All right, man. I want to get to um, some after I boogie. I want to get to uh, the NBA because uh, FIBA is starting up, and I and I'm not going to be breaking down FIBA and who's going to win and who's not going to win. I have a question, a very important question that I want to ask you in terms of the importance of this FIBA 
basketball tournament, and mainly speaking about our country, the racist, ignorant, divided states of America, and the players on our team. Um, who do you think is going to emerge, and why it is so important for someone to emerge from this tournament to represent America in basketball moving forward in the NBA? I will tell you, I will give you my thoughts about who that player is and in uh, other things. Wendell's World in Sports. Last segment of the podcast. Last segment of the program, Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Want to give a shout out to some folks headed back to school. I'm recording this on a uh, Sunday evening. And uh, for out here in Clark County, school starts uh, tomorrow. For some of the folks that I had the uh, pleasure of uh, working with, being, uh, being in the their substitute teacher. Um, want to wish y'all good luck out there to where I last was. Hey man, enjoy your uh, final year. Make sure you have a plan, whether it's speaking about going to college, whether it's speaking about after uh, school is over and you graduated. You want to make sure, man, that uh, you know you have something in place. Start right now. If you haven't started already, I'm not even talking about going to college. I'm talking about just what are you going to do when everything is said and done and for the first time in 12 years plus that uh, when the next year rolls around, when September of 2024 rolls around, what's going to be happening? What are you going to be doing? What do you have a plan? When you graduate in May, when you get that diploma in May, and everything is done with cheering and wonderful, and we're so proud of you, and you're awesome, and you've completed this um, this milestone in your life, and that's awesome, and that's great, and you're you're on top of the world, man. They're, you know, you're you're putting your face on the side of a mountain. You're, you're right next to Teddy and you're right next to Abe. After all of them things, after the statues have been built for you and all of the compliments and all of that, when everything is done, that next day, what are you doing to go on to the next stage of your life? Because that's where it really starts. Prepare yourself this school year for what's going to be happening when you do not go to school. Again, whether that's getting ready for college, or whether that's getting a job, or whether that's you know, whatever it's going to be, find out what that is. And as of right now on August 7th, when you head back to school story, when you head back to school, uh, Anthony, when you head back to school, Kylie, when you head back to school, make sure you have a plan. Jenna, make sure you have a plan. You ain't going to be running forever. Those accolades and those things are great now. But let me tell you something, in about 8, 9, 10 months, they ain't going to mean nothing. They ain't going to help you get a job. They ain't going to help you in college. 
They ain't going to help you get uh, uh, more diversified. What are you going to do to make sure you build that foundation for the next part of your life? Because high school is nothing but a trial run. High school is like the preseason. Once you graduate high school, if you ain't going to college, that's where the regular season starts. And this is where the games count. So make sure, story, make sure that you get yourself, you AJ, Anthony, make sure, Kylie, make sure you filled yourself with knowledge. Make sure you fill yourself with a responsibility and a plan. And a plan and a plan and a plan to get yourself moving to the next stage of your life. Because believe me, believe me, as you know, the three years that you've already been to college, uh, you've been to high school starting your fourth right now, you know how fast things are. You know how quickly it can get to this point. And you know that if you blink, you know if you procrastinate, you know if you put it off, you know if you're going to be um, arrogant, you know you're going to be irresponsible in that regard to make sure that something is not in place when you graduate. Concentrate on the flag football, that's cool, that's wonderful, but once you graduate from high school, it ain't going to mean nothing. It ain't going to mean nothing. Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? What are your plans? This, that, and the other. Make sure you do that. And uh, I love y'all. So there you go. All right. So getting back to the uh, FIFA Basketball um, World Cup in 2023. Um, FIFA World Cup begins on August 25th, runs through September 10th, a total of 32 teams with games being played across multiple countries for the first time in the event's history. All games will be played in Indonesia, Japan, and the Philippines. All games and the knockout rounds will be played in the Philippines. Now, there's going to be some NBA players playing in this tournament. My man Luca is going to be playing for Slovenia. Nicholas Batum, Evan Fournier, and Rudy Gobert are going to be playing for France. Laurie Marketing, who shocked the world with the performance that he had uh, with Utah after being traded from Chicago or after uh, leaving Chicago, he's going to be playing for Finland. Jamal Murray, Shea Gilgis Alexander, RJ Barrett, Dylan Brooks are going to be playing for Canada. Dante Exum. Former Utah Jazz, who uh, having another go with the uh, Dallas Mavericks after spending some time playing basketball in Australia. Josh Giddy, Josh Green, Joe Ingles, Patty Mills, Matisse Thibel are going to be playing for Australia. Giannis' status for Greece is still unclear, but his brother is going to be playing also. You take a look at the USA roster. You take a look at Paulo Banquero, Mikael Bridges, Jalen Brunson, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, Josh Hart. Brandon Ingram, Jaron Jackson Jr., Cameron Johnson, Walker Kessler, Bobby Portis, and Austin Reeves. Now, this is going to be the first tournament for the ignorant, divided, racist states of America since 2010 that um, we're not entering as the reigning champions. We were stunned by France in the uh, 2019 quarterfinals. It was Spain who then went on to uh, win the championship. Here's my main reason for watching this tournament. Here's the main reason why you should be interested in watching this tournament or at least kind of keeping your eye on the developments, maybe watching a few minutes of these games. Here's the reason why. Number one, I want to see if Luka is ready to dominate the NBA for the next seven or ten years. Uh, in some of the clips, Instagram, the man has gotten engaged. He looks slim. Had the light finally gone on for Luka Dantich. You know, it's like the Roger Federer thing. When Roger Federer, who is my man, Roger Federer, my most beloved athlete, the guy that I 
idolized the most for this generation, my man Roger Federer. There was a time where he was loaded with so much talent, but his attitude and the maturity hold, held him back. And I remember a story, Jim Courier, who was at the time the number one player in the world of tennis, that he was hitting with a, an unknown, really talented guy named Roger Federer. And they asked Jim Courier about Federer. And Jim Courier said, man, well, this guy finally, when the light comes on for this guy, he's going to dominate the game of tennis. He's going to go down as one of the greatest of all time. That's how talented this kid is. The same thing with Luca. Once Luca finally, finally 100% matures and really develops his craft, both physically and mentally as a leader, when that light finally comes on, which eventually it will, it's going to dominate the NBA. The NBA is going to be Lucas for as long as he wants it to be, for the next seven or ten years. If he comes into this season, and what is he now, 23, 24 years old, and he finally gets it, um, there's going to be a time for the next, forget seven or ten, it might be ten to twelve, where he's going to be the LeBron, he's going to be the Kobe, he's going to be the MJ, he's going to be the Kareem of this league. That's how great that Luka Dantich is. So I'm interested to see um, if he is ready to uh, take that next step. I'm also interested to see which Americans are going to show up and be the next generational great NBA players. Because I'm taking a look at Anthony Edwards, Paulo Manchero, Jaron Jackson Jr., and uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Those are my four guys that I'm looking at to say, all right, which one of you guys is going to step up and be that guy? Because you take a look, man. The generation of great basketball players right now that have dominated the league really before the influx of dominant European foreign-born basketball players, got to remember the last five years, the last five NBA seasons, an American has not won the NBA MVP. Giannis won it twice. Jokic won it twice. Embiid won it twice. The three best players in the game right now were not born on American soil. And then you have a guy named Victor Wembanyama, who's supposed to be the guy that's supposed to change the game even more from Paris, from France. So, so who is going to be that guy? Who is going to be the next generational great that's going to save the game? Because look, man, you know, outside of football, basketball is our sport. And unlike football, where it's not played anywhere else, a global sport like basketball, where it's played all over the globe, hence global sport, we're the best. And we've been the best for a long time. But now, since the early 90s, late 80s, other countries in the world in general have been catching up to us to a point where, yeah, now we see that when you take a look at the All-NBA team and you take a look at Shea Gil Gilgis-Alexander, All-NBA, first-teamer from Canada, when you take a look at Jokic, when you take a look at Luka, when you take a look at Giannis, second-team, uh, um, Embiid made the first-team, but second-team being Jokic. Um, the top players in the game is foreign-born top-heavy. In a game that really we created outside, I know baseball is supposed to be American sport, Americanized sport. Let's face it, man, the uh, other countries, the Dominican Republic, they've produced better baseball players than Americans for a, for a little while now. There's other countries, Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, others that have that have been either at our level or above our level in the game of baseball, which has been a fabric of our American pastime. That's been a fabric of our American society for over a hundred years. Basketball and football 
are two remaining sports that we have because it ain't hockey, it ain't football, aka soccer, it ain't anything else when you're speaking about team sports that uh, we can lay claim as being dominant in. We're dominant in football, we're dominant in basketball, main reason why we're dominant in football because no other countries are playing football. Australia, you have rugby, and again, you have football being a much more popular popular sport than the game of football. In America, we call it football. In the European, in other countries, they call it football, soccer. So I'm interested in the global game of basketball. We can always be proud to say that we have been uh, the standard bearer. We have been the dominance for decades upon decades upon centuries. You take a look at the greatest superstars in the NBA. Hey, man, they're, they're getting closer to retirement. LeBron's 38 years old. He's been in the league for 19 years. Kevin Durant is 34 years old. He's been in the league 15 years. Stephen Curry is 35 years old. He's been in the league 13 seasons. Steph is still doing a thing and still doing great, but still, I mean, he's closer to 40 than he is 28. You take a look at Chris Paul, 38 years old, been in the league 18 years. James Harden, 34 years old, 34 in August. This will be his 14th NBA season, and with the wear and tear that he's put on his body, he's an old 34. Russell Westbrook, an old 34. Past his prime, 34. Been in the league 15 NBA seasons. Damian Lillard, still in the prime, but 33 years old and been in the league 11 seasons. Kawhi Leonard, 32 years old, have been in, has been in the league 12 seasons, and he's experienced a multitude of, of uh, injuries. So when you take a look at of the great American players that should be carrying the torch from LeBron and KD and Steph and Chris Paul and such, the candidates, Jason Tatum, Devin Booker, John Morant, if he could ever get his act together, LaMelo Ball, Darius, Darius Garland, um, Anthony Edwards, Trey Young, Kate Cunningham, who's been playing Luka in practice uh, for Team USA, and the coaches and the players have been very impressed with Kate Cunningham playing for Detroit, missed uh, last season because of a, a foot injury. Zion, if he could stop uh, banging uh, porn stars and, and get his act together and really focus on his weight and his, in his game. I mean, you, you can bang as many porn stars as you want to, uh, but just, just, just make sure that you're also paying attention to being the greatest basketball player that you can be. He hasn't been able to do that yet. He hasn't been able to walk and chew gum in that sense, but you got Zion, you got Scotty Barnes, and you got Evan Mobley. So those are some of the players, and look, we got players in college right now, we got players in high school right now that you know you, you, you don't know exactly who's going to come up. But but still, those are some of the guys that I'm going to be looking at. And for this, because Tatum and those guys, Booker and those guys, they're not playing in this uh, tournament. But I think the one guy, the two guys, who can really take that step forward, really take that step forward is Anthony Edwards, who's playing for Minnesota, and uh, Tyrese Halliburton who's playing for the Indiana Pacers. I want to see those guys dominate. And I don't want to see those guys just dominate for uh, Team USA. I want to see those guys uh, be one of the best, if not the best players in this tournament. I want to see Anthony Edwards and Tyrese Halliburton play on the same level as Luka or at least very, at the very least play close to it. Because somebody from the younger generation, 26, 25 and below, who's playing basketball in the NBA right now that was born on the soil, Someone needs to step up and say, I'm ready to take the torch. I'm ready to go on the path. Cody Rhodes finally beat Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar, after he lost at SummerSlam to Rhodes yesterday, you know, dapped him, gave him the, uh, you know, gave him the rub 
in terms of, uh, you know, this is the guy. Broke character for a little bit. Gave him the, this is the guy. This is the man. Cody Rhodes is going to be the next John Cena. Cody Rhodes in WWE's mind is going to be the one. They're saving Roman Reigns. They're saving Roman Reigns for Cody Rhodes. To introduce Cody Rhodes as the next guy that's going to be able, he's going to be in the next line of the Hulk Hogan's. He's going to be in the next line of the Rock, the Steve Austin's, the John Cena's. He's he's supposed to be that guy for the WWE. He announced his intentions to do so with that win over Brock Lesnar. What person, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, are they going to do a Cody Rhodes? Is FIBA USA going to be their Brock Lesnar? to introduce themselves, to be on the road. Okay, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, I'm starting my journey. So when you start speaking about winning MVPs, when you start speaking about best players in the game, when you start speaking about faces of the league, when you start speaking about those things, yes, you can include uh, Luka. Yes, you can include Jokic. Yes, you can include Victor. Yes, you can include those guys. But also, in very short order, you also better get to us also. That's the type of impact. That's the type of... That's what I'm curious in seeing from um, Anthony Edwards and um, Tyrese Halliburton. Real quick before I get out of here, Anthony Davis signed a three-year contract. Makes him the uh, richest NBA player. So Jalen Jalen uh, Brown was uh, the highest paid NBA player for just a quick minute. Now I think that Anthony, excuse me, that uh, Anthony Davis signing what, three-year, $108 million, something ridiculous like that? Or I think it's even, no, three-year, $100 and $68 million contract. So good money if you could get it. Let's see if Anthony Davis, let's see if AD can uh, stay healthy to live up to that contract. And the contract also should indicate that LeBron, this is Anthony Davis's team. You're dealing with your son. You're dealing with your contract coming up. You're dealing with the talk about if Bronny is going to be playing in the NBA. And of course, that's uncertain right now after Bronny uh, suffered a uh, suffered cardiac arrest. Um, I'm quite sure his basketball playing future is up in the air, let alone playing in the NBA. But if everything works out, God willing, and, um, you know, Bronny is going to be playing in the NBA, then, you know, it's a situation where, you know, if if you're the Lakers, you you really can't wait to see if all those things are going to happen. This should be the indicator with AD signing that contract extension that, look, I'm next in line. And again, when training camp starts, this is going to be Anthony Davis's team, not LeBron's team. The transition to that should have started a couple of years ago, but it should down definitely start uh, with this. All right, I'm out of here. Good to go into the flow. I want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast. Uh, again, much love to all the folks who do. As always, please, 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 like I was James Brown, please do what you can to uh, treat others who deserve it with respect, love, um, in admiration, please, man, regardless of who they love, regardless of their gender, regardless of where, where they're from, regardless of any of those things, man, look in someone's heart, treat others like you want to be treated, and let's see what we can do to add more love and respect and unity, not just in this country, but in this world, because Lord knows we need it. Wendell Wallace, Wendell's World of Sports, you know what I'm going to do? This, I'm going to end with the little, I'm going to end with the greatest of all time. I'm going to go with the legend. I'm going to go with the greatest of all time. Show me some respect. Show me some respect when I get home. Show me some respect when I'm out in society. You show me some respect, I'll give you some respect. 
Not gonna do Aretha. I'm gonna do the greatest of all time. My main man, Otis Redding. Otis, the legend. Woo, can't wait in about 35, 40 years tops to uh, get up and see you in heaven perform. Can't wait to see the, can't wait to hear the new new material that you and Duck Dunn and uh, Al Jackson Jr. And, and now Jim Stewart is up there and Andrew Love. I can't wait to hear the, the sound that you guys are making. I'm quite sure they're going to be quite heavenly. Huh? See how I worked that in there? Wendell's World of Sports, get me out of here with some music. <laughs> 